Now, I've been around church all my life and, and the Bible and so forth, so some of the stories are, are very familiar to me and, and, and maybe some of you as well. But, but if you think about reading some of these things, like what we're going to read today for the first time, you really do come away saying, say what? What did, what did Jesus mean? And, and, and today's a classic, a classic example of, a, of an outrageous statement by Jesus. Let me say this. Um, Jesus made some extremely bold and I'll, I'll even, even bothersome at times um, statements. But here's the thing about that. And everyone got people's attention and had a commanding life message attached to it. That's huge. That's important. So um, we're going to see some of them. Today, Jesus warns us to go to extremes, uh, to be very careful not to cause another person of faith, or maybe a person who's just exploring the possibility of faith, or just, just thinking about being a, becoming a, a person of faith in Christ. Jesus says, go to extremes to keep from hurting, wounding that person's faith, or causing them to stumble. And how do we do that? And we're going to talk about that for a moment, and then we're going to talk more about how, how not to do that so we don't fall into that trap. Um, let me jump right into this, because this is, this is um, some pretty heavy-duty stuff. It's in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. We're going to go there right away and just read a few of the verses that are there and, and really see some of these literally bold, outrageous statements, that uh, one of them at least, that Jesus makes. This is Mark, chapter 9, verse 42. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Wow. Large millstone would be like a, a big rock that is basically, a, a, a millstone is carved out of a big rock. So you're talking about basically a big rock being tied around your neck, thrown into the sea. Pretty heavy-duty stuff. Um, I thought I'd read this to you in the message paraphrase, another Bible that sometimes makes it a little more, a little more clear, a little more flows, a little more with our culture. Not always the best study Bible, but it's a good one just to read at times. Um, so the same verse, and, and this is in the message paraphrase. On the other hand, if you give one of these simple childlike believers a hard time, bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better be better off dropped in the middle of the lake with a millstone around your neck. So sometimes we come away from this as causes these little ones. We, we, we come away from that saying, well, the, the, these are kids. It could be kids, but it could be adults who are young in their faith or, or maybe just at a, at a weak point in their faith or maybe just trying to figure out if they're going to be a person of faith and decide to, to, to cross that line and be a follower of Christ. could be any of those kind of people. It's, it could be me. It could be you at, at different times of our lives. That's what he's talking about there. But keep reading because that doesn't stop there. Verse 43, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. Ooh, man. Powerful stuff here. Um, word here for hell is Gehenna in the original. And it's, uh, it, it referred to like a refuse dump people would be able to picture in their mind in Jerusalem that was always on fire. So he, he's given us a, a pretty, pretty vivid description, and they would know what that meant. Uh, verse 45, if you're, now we, we talked about hand. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. For it's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. Wow. And then verse 47, and if your eye causes you to stumble, 
Pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. I know what you're thinking, some of you right now. Okay, Rich, you believe the Bible is to be taken literally. Do you take this literally? Obviously, I don't. If I did, I'd be standing here before you. Well, I wouldn't be standing. I would have no, f- <laughs> I would have no feet. I'd have no hands. I'd be blind, okay? All of it. God, I've done all that a few times. So obviously, I, 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 I don't believe this to be literal. I believe Jesus is using hyperbole here to make a point. What's his point? I think I'll best give it to you by just reading you a few lines from a, from a commentary that I like a lot, and it, I think it elucidates and makes this very clear. Jesus meant a disciple should take prompt, decisive action against whatever would draw him away from his allegiance to him, to Christ. The same is true of the foot and the eye, for temptations come through various means. So he's saying take strong, decisive actions to keep from falling into that temptation again, is what he's saying. One last thing from the commentary. Whatever tempts a disciple to cling to this world's life must be removed, much as a surgeon amputates a gangrenous limb. So all he's getting at here is, listen, whatever it is that leads you into into sin, particularly it's going to lead you into sin, it's going to lead other people into sin, get rid of it. Do what you know. Render. You got to do whatever you got to do to make to make that happen. This is serious stuff, is what he's saying. So the, the main theme here is: don't be a stumbling block. Don't be a stumbling block. And, and you know that's a that's kind of a weird term, and, and it depends on where you come from and what kind of background you have. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't really understand what a, what does it mean to be a stumbling block. I, I came from a, a culture. I was raised in a culture where they would say, you know, you, you can't drink. And you say, well, why can't I drink? Because you might be a stumbling block to somebody. And I said, well, if nobody drinks and I don't drink, how can I be a stumbling block to them? You know, and, and, and of course, the, the point was this person, this person didn't want you to, so they would just say, you shouldn't do it because you'll be a stumbling block to me. Well, that, that doesn't work. Now, if I happen to have a friend, and I do, several friends, who might have an issue with alcohol, and by my sitting down with them, and say, oh, let's have a drink. Come on, let's go down and have a drink. And by my doing that, and I stop at my one, and they can't stop at their four or five, that's a problem. That might be leading my, that might be causing my, my, my friend to stumble, right? And it could lead to, there's many other ways this, this, this works. And it's, it's kind of ambiguous. You've got to be careful with it when you start, you know, making these demands on people. I mean, we do this in, in, in media. We do this with TV shows, movies, um, books sometimes. And, well, you know, you, you can't read that because I, I, I don't think you should. Well, that's not really making somebody stumble. We have these friends here in the church, actually. You know who you are, who, um, who watches one TV show that they really like. It's a vampire show. And, um, I mean, I'm just like, I, I, I'm, I'm just not into vampires. I mean, and, but they talk about it all the time. And so one night, not too long ago, I was at home, and Charlie and I were home together, which really only happens once or twice a week at the most. And um, I said, hey, this is Veg Out tonight. Let's try watching this show that, all of the, that some of our friends tell us about, this, this vampire show on HBO. And Charlie uh, says, okay. And I invited her into my man cave to do that, which is just a high honor and a high privilege when she gets invited into my man cave. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went ahead and went downstairs, and I had a TV on, finding it on demand, and she was on her way down. And I, I was kind of paying half, had it on, had, had started the thing up from on demand, and was paying half attention because, as I do whenever I watch TV, I got my iPad with me doing something else usually. And she walks down the stairs, and there's some scene on that I really can't describe for you here. <laughs> 
But it was not a very, it was a, not a, it's a good scene to be watching, if you catch my drift. And, and it caused my very genteel Southern Belle wife to say, what in the heck are you watching, or something like that. Um, and I said, well, and I looked up, and I, Ooh. Uh, I said, oh, that's that show, uh, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, you know who you are, uh, uh, watch. And uh, <laughs> you're here. And, uh, and, and, and she says, well, you know, we're not watching it, and... And um, was, was that we were, were we a stumbling block? Well, she stumbled over the footstool to get to the TV control, so Charlene stumbled, but uh, literally. Is that a stumbling No, I turned it off, okay? So, so now do I make judgments about that of my friends? No, I, I mean, we, I'm sure we'll have, we have and we'll have dialogue about that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about stuff that really, I mean, there are times when something like that could lead someone into something that would be damaging. But even more than that, we're talking about doing things that cause people to really have their faith wounded, to be discouraged, to turn off to God in some cases, to turn off maybe to the church, maybe to Christianity, or maybe some form thereof. That's what we're talking about. So, let me, let me read to you a few lines. I, I, part of this is me and part of this is uh, from a commentary. So it, it, it kind of helps us understand what a stumbling block really is. It refers to enticing or provoking a believer to turn away from Jesus, resulting in serious spiritual damage. The undeveloped faith of anyone should be encouraged rather than ruined by harsh criticism or a bias of certain sins or fault-finding or just whining discontentedness in general that kind of makes one look at Christianity crossways and think, why would I want to become a believer, follower of Jesus to be like that jack wagon? You know, why would I want that? I have three examples, very brief, I hope, examples of, of these kind of people to kind of give you an understanding of what you don't want to be, okay? And all of us maybe have been here once or twice in our lives, Hopefully, we, we, we've, sh- we've shaken that off and, and gotten away from it, or maybe you're going to learn how to do that today. Uh, the first example of this kind of person is what I call the guilt, the guilt-casting stumbler. This is the finger-pointer. You know that person? This is the person that's always telling you how bad you are. Shame, shame, shame on you. You're nothing but a dirt ball. That's all you are, and, 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 and don't forget it. Sometimes these people are pastors. Sometimes they're just leaders and churches and places of faith. Sometimes they're parents. Sometimes they're husbands and wives. And they're throwing guilt. Shame on you. you you're bad. And sometimes I like to bring up stuff in the back, from the past. You know? How can it hurt? Some, how, can it hurt how can it cause somebody to stumble? A person of faith can get eaten up with guilt and become paralyzed and become damaged because they, and, and, and can't move on in their life because they're so overwhelmed with all the guilt that they feel for the things that they've done in the past or maybe are still trying to shed from their lives. Let me tell you something. Guilt has one purpose. Okay? It, is, it is when the Holy Spirit, the, that still small voice in us, conscience, I believe it's the Spirit of God, letting us know we did something wrong, we confess it to God, we thank Him for His grace and forgiveness, and we move on and leave our guilt at the foot of the cross. That's the only purpose of guilt. It was never meant to live in. It was never meant to be used as a tool. It was never meant to be used to manipulate people. It's just God's way of saying, hey, you did something wrong. 
Let's get that right. And boom, you're done. Don't carry that stuff around. Life's too short for that. (laughs) And life will be shorter if you do. The guilt-casting stumbler. That's one example of these kind of people. Second second example I'm going to give you. This is what I call the judgmental stumbler. This is the person who's the categorizer of sins. Always interesting. This, this, this individual, who I just really don't like much. I know a few of them over the years. And, they're, and by the way, they're all shapes and sizes. They're all sexist, men and women. They're all colors. It's an equal opportunity, uh, uh, it's an equal opportunity sin. Um, these judgmental stumblers, if not literally, they have a list in their brain. Um, some sins in this person's view are worse than others. And if you happen to have one of uh, Mr. or Mrs. Judgmental's pet sins, then, then they like to pick on you. They like to chastise you. They like to condemn you. They like to maybe even bully you a little bit. Oh, you're not, you're not where you should be in your faith. You can't have that particular sin in your life and, and be effective. You're not like me. They'll likely treat you like a second-class like second Christian and, or person. Um, you know, but you can rise above it. It's discouraging. It stinks, causes you to stumble in your, in, your, in your walk of faith. And usually their list of sins are, are in a certain category. Usually it's either some sort of a sexual sin or, or uh, alcohol or drugs, or maybe it's, you know, that they just uh, have on their sin any garden variety butthead is, uh, is just a, an extra worse sinner than all the rest of them. The problem is all of us have our spells with being a garden variety butthead, don't we? Um, Here's the, it, it hurts because, because people can feel less valued by Christ. They can feel like they're in a pit they can't pull out of. They can feel like they can never be effective in their faith because, because of the certain sin that they wrestle with. And they feel like they can never overcome it. I've talked with a lot of these people over the years. It's tragic. My hardest job sometimes is to convince somebody, listen, Yes, what you've done is wrong, but you know what? You can rise above this. God can use this, and you can, you, can, you can rise above this. And God can use you in a mighty way in the future, and you can be just as effective as anybody else. And that's what they need to hear instead of this, this judgment, 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 judgment all the time. You know, the best cure for this is just for us to recognize one thing, that we're all fallen. We all have sins that we've had to deal with and may be dealing with. They're just of different flavors. The minute you think somebody's got it all together and, 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 and you really have it, and, and it's okay to have people in your life who you think, who think have it more together than others, but none of us have it all together. Let me just tell you that, okay? None of us have it all together. And if they tell you that, they're lying. Well, they're lying right there, so you know they don't have it together, right? Um, we're all fallen. None of us worse than the other. It's all about the gospel. There's an old saying I love. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all the same. We all come to Jesus the same way in faith. Thanking him for the forgiveness that he's provided with his death, his burial, his resurrection. Accepting his grace. We all come the same way. No room for judgment. No room for judgment. That's a judgmental scrambler. So, we've got the guilt caster. Point, the finger pointer, we got the, 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 the judgmental, the, the, person, the categorizer of sins. And then the third guy or lady. I really don't like these people either. This is the, this is the, this is the person 
who uses the Bible as a weapon stumbler. This is the person who's got a verse for everything. You did a one, oh, no, 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 you get a verse, oh, yeah, yeah, five, five, three, two, one, and, 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 then they got, and the verse is correct. And I got a verse for, oh, yeah, 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 and, and, and God, I mean, they throw, they throw Bible verses like bombs, boom, you know. Um, and they want to set the record straight and tell you what the Bible says and where you're wrong, and you better straighten up or fly right, or you're going to have serious consequences, you may even go to hell, you know. Sometimes they say that. Sometimes I say that. No. Uh, and, and, um, and here's the thing. They do this without grace. They do this without love. They do this without being invited into anybody's life to, to, to speak into their life. Uh, they don't need an invitation because they're here. They're here. They believe as a tool of God to set your sorry life straight. And sometimes you want to say, just leave my sorry life alone. Um, now, listen, here's the thing about these people. I mean, do we need instruction? For, do I believe that the Bible is inspired? Yeah, the Bible is inspired by God. It's inspired to build people up, to show them how to live and how not to live in some cases, but to be presented in a way that's positive and edifying and building, not, tear, not tearing down. That's the part here. Do we need this instruction? Absolutely. But not in the form of a weapon that someone is pounding down our throats, sometimes, sometimes, almost in an abusive way. Now, let me show you what the Bible says and what it's here for. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's in the message translation again. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together, shaped up for the task that God has for us. The Bible is there for us for our edification. It's between us and God as He uses the Bible in our lives. And sometimes I might want to invite somebody, hey, hey, what does the Bible say about this in my life? Can you help me? That's fine. But it's not a weapon. There's many ways we can hurt people in their journey of faith and discourage them and suck the joy out of their life. There's many ways we can do that. Jesus is saying, don't you dare do that. Don't you dare do that. And we've seen it done in, 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 our, in our lifetimes, different ways, how people have just turned off on, on the church and often God because people, through their whatever, cause others, people of faith, just to get wounded so severely they couldn't come out of it, and they're still in it. The bottom of it is always pride, always pride. It's the pride that says, you're bad. You should feel guilty. Me, I got it going on. That's what it's saying. You know, or it's the pride that says, your sins are worse than mine. I'm okay. Or it's the pride that says, I know the Bible, and I'm going to beat you over the head with it. And then maybe you can have it together like me someday. That's just all pride. I want to give you three things, very simple, three words, three concepts that I want you to grab hold of, uh, just some ways that you can keep from falling into this, this. It's easy to fall into at some level. I want to just give you three ways that you can keep from falling into this, 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 this category of causing others to, to get wounded in their faith or, 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 or to be discouraged in their, in, their, in their spiritual journey with Christ. Three, three words. The first one is awareness. Just be really super aware of, of the influence you have on others. And don't sit there and say, well, yeah, Rich, you don't know me. I, I don't have that many people in my life. I don't have that much influence. You have influence over people. Some more than others I recognize, but you have influence. Deal with that. Realize that your influence is on others, and it's either for good or for bad. Bottom line, you've got to think through that. 
either for good or for bad. And you need to make sure that you're not being a stumbling block, as it's called here, causing others to be hindered in their journey of faith because of your, maybe you're discouraging or abrasive or maybe even abusive words or your manipulation or your hypocrisy or your phoniness or, or, or your poor example or you're speaking out of two sides of your mouth or your ability to have any integrity. Whatever, you, you, need, you need to make sure and be aware of this, super aware of your influence on others and how you're affecting others. You know, we influence people really two ways, by our example and by our words. And, and a lot goes around that. And, and of course, our example needs to be what it needs to be in terms of how we live our lives and worthy of what who Christ called us to be and so forth. We understand that. But our words also influence people. And, and, and we, we, sometimes as believers, we get all hung up over words and what words some believers, Christians, you know, what, what's, for instance, you know, slang or cursing or whatever. And we get all hung up on that. And obviously the Bible teaches we should never, we shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. That's, that's one area that's very clear. But, but, but what's unwholesome talk? The Bible talks about unwholesome talk. Always say, oh, that might be using some, some, some gutter words or whatever. You know, what you know what unwholesome talk is? And this happens a lot among people who would never utter a curse word. Let me show you Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. Here's un- Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what, is, here's, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The real unwholesome talk is when we start putting others down, tearing them down, not building others up. That's unwholesome talk. Our influence, we need to be aware of our influence, and so much of that is the words that we use. Let me just show you something. I love Proverbs. Proverbs, um, Proverbs really elucidates on the importance of this. Let me just use three or four uh, as we talk about our words and how important our words are in influencing others and how we need to be aware of that. Um, these are just, just three or four real quick ones. And I have the Bible they come from underneath it. This is... Um, Proverbs 12, 18, there is, there is one who speaks rashly, like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Your words bring healing? Or do they inflame a situation? Chapter 15, verse 4, in the message, uh, tra- paraphrase, kind words heal and help, cutting words wound and maim. How kind are your words? Pretty amazing, huh? 16.24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Keep aware. Keep aware of your influence, the words that you're using, whether you're building or tearing down. Last one I love. A person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. You've been, you've been recently by a bubbling brook and just hear the noise? I was by one the other day. And after I got my golf ball out of it, I, um, <laughs> I, I did. And, um, and, I, and I, I, I was, you know, I'd been working on this and I was thinking about this verse particularly because of this and I just thought, that does sound peaceful. Once I got over all the other trauma of, you know, I'm not my ball in or anything, but um, that, that is just peaceful sound, you know? Awareness of our influence. Whether you are aware of it or not, and you need to be, you're influencing others. 
your example, and your words. Be super, super sensitive about that. And think about that. Because you want to influence for good, not for, not for negative. That's the first thing. Second, second word I want to give you is perspective. Perspective. This is going to be difficult for some of you for a minute, okay? Stay with me. Don't get mad at me. I love you, okay? Um, you have to get a perspective on the stumbling blocks that have been thrown in your life path over the course of your life. For some of you, it's been some things that hurt, some gossip about you, somebody saying stuff about you, maybe, maybe some things people discouraged you, maybe a boss, maybe an ex-wife or ex-husband said some things, maybe still saying some things. For some of you, it's even worse. Some of us might have brought it on ourselves. Some of us didn't. Some of us have been abused by people who know better or worse. And it set us back, put us in a funk for for decades. Can I tell you something as graciously as I can tell you this? Maybe you were, maybe you are a victim. But you don't have to live there. You don't have to stay there. That's why Jesus came. There's this word that's associated with what Jesus does in a life. Jesus came and he suffered and he, and he, and he, and he died and then he rose again. And he, give, he did that to give us forgiveness and, and eternal life and abundant life. But he also, we also call this redemptive living in the fact that Jesus comes into our life and he's able to take he's, the, the bad, the really bad, the good, the okay, and the really bad. He's able to weave that into the fabric of our lives, which comes out making it our story. And our story is a great story. There's a lot of, let me just tell you, there's some parts of my story I don't want to live through again. But I'm grateful God has been able to use stuff that was done to me, and in some cases I brought it on myself, and be able to use it in my life to, to, make, to take something out of the ashes and make it into something of beauty. Jesus does that. Amazing. It's called redemptive living. Get a perspective on that. A lot of things shouldn't have happened that did to many of you, to many of us, but it happened. Now let's turn that into, let's turn that over, let's turn that over to Christ to say, just weave that into the fabric of my life story, Lord. And he will. Amazing. Perspective. Awareness. Awareness of my influence perspective of those things that have been thrown in my path. Third thing, this is huge. This is one of the keys to life right here. It's taken me a long time to figure this out, but I got it. Honesty. You must have habitual, bold, honest self-awareness. I'm saying it again. You must have habitual, bold, honest self-awareness. I believe that only comes by God, the Holy Spirit, working in our, in our conscience, in our lives, and with a little help from our friends. Do you have anybody in your life who can say anything to you? Boy, you look like trash today. What would you do to yourself? I mean, really be able to speak to you. Or, I mean, I can't believe how you treated that waiter. You know, or I, I can't believe how you're speaking to your, to your husband right now. 
Do you, I mean, it's not something constant that you have, but, but somebody that can, every so often you get together and you sit down and you say, hey, what's going on in your life? What's going on? What, you know, what have you noticed about me? If you don't have somebody who can say anything to you, you need some new friends. Okay? You gotta have, you're not going to have very many people like that, two or three, but you've got to have some people. Because we all get these blind spots, and we've and, and we got to have this, this honesty for our self-awareness. Because I tell you, over the years, I've known a few people who had no self-awareness. And I tell you, that's a, that's, a, that's a road you don't want to go down. That's a dead-end road going there fast. Um, habitual, bold, honest self-awareness that only comes by God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to us as we pray and listen and, 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 and a little help from our friends. The right kind of friends. August Wilson, great, uh, the first actually, first uh, African-American playwright, or one of the first noted African-American playwrights. They even named a theater after him. That's on Broadway, the August Wilson Theater. That's where the Jersey Boys is playing right now. Um, August Wilson said this, Confront the darkest parts of yourself and work to banish them with illumination and forgiveness. Your willingness to wrestle with your demons will cause your angels to sing. Use the pain as fuel, as a reminder of your strength, the strength that you have, I believe, through Christ. Confront the dark parts of yourself. Don't ignore them. It's it's easy to hide behind our strengths and cover up our weaknesses. Don't do that. Don't do that. That, 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 That's not a good life to live. Confront those weaknesses and ask God to give you the ability to overcome them and even make them strong. I have had this amazing relationship with the book, books of Timothy. This is one of those things. I had one of those, oh, oh my goodness, you know, oh, wow kind of moments this week when I started thinking about it because I just hadn't really thought about it this way. Um, first and second Timothy, uh, were, I, I graduated from, got my, my college degree, my uh, theology degree in, Went to a church where I had been just uh, a youth pastor. The pastor left. They asked me to be my first church as a pastor, senior pastor at age 27. Believe that? You don't know nothing at 27. You don't know nothing. <laughs> By the way, I apologize for all the youth on the stage tonight. I'm here to, I'm here to counterbalance that. But um, no, I'm joking about that. But, but no, I mean, at 27, I become a senior pastor. And, and I knew enough because I just finished my, my degree in theology and Bible. And I... I had remembered how much that Timothy was, uh, the first and second Timothy were written by the Apostle Paul um, to Timothy, who was in his 30s, 27 to 30, somewhere in there. So I'm, this is my, this is my, my two books. I'm mean, literally absorbed, uh, just lived in these two books trying to figure out how to be a pastor. Um, and uh, just would read them and read them and read them and read them, talk about them, read them, read them, read them, read them some more. And then it hit me this week, actually that Paul wrote to Timothy when Paul was about my age. So I'm kind of going full circle here. I used to read it when I was in my 20s. Now I'm, now I'm kind of, you know, changing, the, changing gears here a little bit. And uh, he was probably older, but that's what I tell myself, lie to myself. Um, but here's the cool thing. I have read First and Second Timothy, I, I, I promise you, a thousand times. Those first, those first 10, 15 years. Because I kept thinking I was 27 even when I was 37. But um, I mean, there's, I, I read First and Second Timothy at least, at least a thousand times. And then about, I don't know, in the last five or six years or so, I, I became aware of a verse that I, I didn't even know was there. Unbelievable. And it's a verse that speaks to this very thing of this honesty thing. 
And it's, it's, it's crazy. Here's the verse. I'm going to give it to you. It's great. Live by it. Memorize it. Easy to memorize. Here it is. Ready? 1 Timothy 4.16. Keep a close watch on how you live. On your, into, your teaching, your influence. Your teaching is your influence. Some Bibles translate that as influence. Keep, keep, and how you live and on your influence, staying true to what is right. Keep a close watch on how you live. And the, and the wording there is keep, diligently keep, watch how you live. Have that bold, honest self-awareness that can only come from God and, and a few close friends. And live by that. So you don't become one of these jerks that hurts people. Not meaning to sometimes. Sometimes they do mean to. One of these people that's, who, who hurt other people's faith and, and their view of God and their view of life and their view of a lot of other things. Don't become one of those. The only way to do that is keep a close watch on how you live and your influence, your teaching, and stay true to what is right. May God give us the ability to do that every day, every day in our lives. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to to look at these very important revealing things in the Bible. Help us to take them to heart. Help us to live by them. Help us to absorb them into the very fiber of who we are. We thank you for the grace that comes in an understanding of knowing who Jesus is and what he can do in all of our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.